This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available via the iHeartRadio website and app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Acast, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Breaker and Stitcher. And don't forget to go to our website, warfradio.com. Coming up on this week's episode, we have got the debut of Coach versus Coach, Nicole Graves versus Lisa, Coach Kiwi Roper, going head-to-head in a tipping competition and previewing round one of the AFLW season. Also on the way, we talk fantasy football with Jack Hooper from She Plays AFLW. We catch up with Essendon VFLW head coach Brendan Major and the vice captain of the NTFL women's representative side and also co-captain at the Nightcliff Tigers, Eliza Morrison. But first, the latest women's footy news. You might remember last week at the top of our Women's Footy News segment that we talked about the AFLW fixture and how it was going to be changed. There was an announcement due possibly after our production deadline on the Wednesday. In fact, it was 48 hours later on the Friday that AFL House finally announced that rounds one and two would be changed due to the hard border situation between Western Australia and Victoria, all due to the original COVID situation out of Sydney. Now, The round one and two fixtures are up on women's.afl. The remaining rounds are not. They are all still to be confirmed. And if you're going along to this weekend's games, you must pre-purchase your tickets online. You cannot buy them at the gate. However, the Richmond versus Brisbane Lions game at Punt Road Oval on the Sunday is sold out. Now, with the fixture changes, GWS are playing away from home, including hosting a home game in round two at Norwood Oval. And with that, the AFL are providing financial assistance to the Giants for having to uh, relocate temporarily. However, the amount per player has not been uh, declared on the AFL website. Ebony Marinoff, last week when we spoke, was anticipated that she was going to appeal her three-match sentence. That was correct. They went to the tribunal on Thursday. However, due to some last-minute evidence being introduced, that of Bridstack uh, earlier in the quarter um, colliding with an advertising hoarding, possibly contributing to her injury and not necessarily that of what Ebony Marinoff did in the incident that she was suspended for. The tribunal said it needed more time to uh, assess that information and it'll be this Thursday, the day of the opening game, that they'll finally uh, make a judgment on Ebony Marinoff's appeal. The Gold Coast Suns have signed Georgia Bevan. Georgia had stepped away from the game and was playing Sandfall W with Sturt. We interviewed her last year on the podcast. Uh, She is stepping into the role to replace Jackie Yorston, who is unavailable this year due to a knee injury. And also TG4 in Ireland. It is the uh, Gaelic Channel. Uh, It has announced that it will be showing an AFLW game each week on delay plus a highlights package as well each week of the round of AFLW football considering the amount of Irish women playing in the competition. And that's your latest women's footy news. Two women's footy legends go head-to-head in Coach versus Coach. It's time for episode one of Coach vs. Coach. It's an AFLW tipping contest 
between two legends of women's football. We have Collingwood VFLW assistant coach and Sandringham Dragons NAB League assistant coach Lisa Coach Kiwi Ropar. And in the other corner, Coolangatta Tweed QAFLW head coach Nicole Graves. That is selling both of you short. Quickly, 30 seconds, Coach Kiwi. Explain why you're a legend of women's footy. Oh, shucks. I uh, love footy, play footy, did a lot of footy in Sydney, now in Victoria and trying to um, carve my way with the Kiwi perspective. Uh, just quietly, just 250 games and a bunch of premierships, etc. in there as well. Crazy, 30-second resume, go. Uh, listen, mine is long. So started my uh, my footy in Victoria playing, so 197 games with the VWFL back in the day. Uh, several me. teams, but obviously Darabin, uh, Falcons is my club in Victoria, and then I shuffled off to Western Australia for the next 13 years and coached at Swan Districts. So uh, over there, and um, yeah, worked at Swan Districts and played at Swan Districts. Uh, sorry, coached at Swan Districts, and then made the move over to back to Melbourne. Um, a season with Carlton as uh, the GM at their, of their AFL and VFLW programs, and then headed up to Queensland, and yeah. Coaching at QAFLW at Cooley and, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, being involved in the game development up here, it's been wonderful. Oh, cripes already. So Kiwi, great. That. Crazy know, just we're, showed we're, you how it's done. I mean, you know, round of applause. <laughs> I know. We were trying to get it out really quick for you, Pete, you know. So that's, that's it. Lots of footy, too much footy, no other life. That's simply, yeah, that's the 30-second snapshot. Simple thing is we're just going to go through round by round each round giving before the teams come out the tips on who Gravesy and Coach Kiwi think will win for the upcoming round and a review a little bit back on what happened on the previous round. Obviously we played no football because round one starts this Thursday January 28th but before I get your round one selections I'm going to put you both in the hot seat. Coach Kiwi you are going to go first. Who wins the wooden spoon this year? The last year's wooden spooners in the shortened season were Richmond. Um, yes, sorry, Tiger fans, but I think they're going to back it up and get the spoon again. I just think um, they've got a young squad and they'll definitely build for the future, but I don't think they've got enough quite um, to take the rest on right now. Gravesy, wooden spooners. Oh, listen, I'm going to be hated back in Perth. I may not be able to return. Um, yeah, no, I think West Coast. I think Richmond will be much improved. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've recruited well this season, so I, I really think that they'll be much improved. And, yeah, yeah, West Coast is still a really young team, so I think they've just still got some building to do, and they'd probably admit that too. So I think with a yeah, new structure and, and a couple of new players in there, they'll be well improved, but I think everyone's improving and everyone's, you know, particularly those new teams that have come in last season, having a season under their belt. But I think, you know, Richmond has recruited well, so has West Coast, but I think West Coast has recruited young people more for the for the future. So I think I, we'll see Richmond improve considerably and, and poor old uh, the Eagles may be on the bottom. Just interesting to note last week in the practice game between the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle on social media, Fremantle obviously posted what happened in the game, posted the scores that they won. West Coast's approach on social media was, oh, if we were keeping a scoreboard, Fremantle would have won. So uh, <laughs> West Coast playing those games <laughs> Yeah, already. I'm not sure that there's too much love lost there, Pete. So, yeah, I think once it's West Coast Frio, it uh, doesn't matter who's wearing – what colours, yeah, it becomes very much uh, the the derby. 
Okay, we're going for the long shot already, and this makes it a little bit difficult considering the fixture may change as we go along, as we've already seen the first two rounds change due to COVID-19 and, and border restrictions. Who will make the grand final? Coach Kiwi, you're first. The two teams that will make the grand final, and then who will win that grand final? Yeah, there's um, probably, I think, four contenders, to be honest. Um, but I think probably uh, I, I can't go past Adelaide. I think um, Adelaide have only got one player on their list without AFLW experience, I think. so. Um, and with Chelsea back and Aaron back strong, um, they're going to be contenders. Um, there is a toss-up between Frio and Carlton. Um, perhaps Carlton might have the edge. I don't know. Um, Frio may just come out of the blocks and continue where they were last year. But uh, maybe I'll lean to Carlton because I'm in Victoria and I might run into someone or they might run me over. So, so it's Adelaide Carlton grand final, a repeat of 2019. Who wins it this time? Um, oh, it'll be closer. Um <laughs> That's a tricky on, one. Kiwi, Hang on, she needs a thinking there. music. Hang oh. on. Just going through all the stats. And Need your answer, Coach Kiwi. So is that on the record? Adelaide to win, Kiwi? Yep. Okay, Gracie, who makes the grand final, the two teams, and who wins it? Uh, Freo, Carlton, and, oh, gee, then I'm getting, now I'm really going to throw myself under the bus. Now I'm just scared of my answer. Um, You know what? It depends where it might be. So if they're sticking with, if Freo gets to play the grand final in Western Australia, it'll be Freo. If it gets played in Victoria, it'll be Carlton. Oh, uh, hang on. None of this sitting on oh, the fence business. I need an outright five, winner. There's a five-hour plane trip between I need an two. outright winner. Double parked. Oh, God. Well, yeah, it is tough. Well, one, I know everyone, obviously, at Carlton, but uh, two... I guess uh, my connection with so many players at Freo, I'm back in the Dockers to win oh, the premiership. Carlton have more Darabin players. I know. <laughs> I know. And listen, I think, yeah. Well, you threw me under the bus, didn't you? So, as I said, I think I think Carlton's list is phenomenal. Um, don't get me wrong at all. So, yeah, so you, you made me choose, and I'm probably trying to choose, you know, which state I'd like to return to at some stage in the future. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah, Western Australia is warmer, so I'm sticking with that. But, um, yeah, yeah, I may never get another visit from any of the Carlton girls ever again. But thanks for that, Pete. And, Kiwi, just be- just because you said the D word, Darabin, that's a dollar in the swear jar, please. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> this will be broke by the end of the show. <laughs> they, they're champs as well. I would have backed Darabin for the premiership anyway. But, anyway. <laughs> Different competition. Let's have a look. So that's at three bucks. Three bucks to crazy. <laughs> Let's have a look at round one of the competition. It kicks off this Thursday night, the 28th of January. It's Carlton versus Collingwood. Supplementary question compared before we get the tip on who will win and how much and by why. Is this the right game to lead off the season with or would you have gone for two other teams? Yeah. Well, I, as I said, I can give you some insight. When I, when I was a GM at Carlton, they'd finished bottom the year before and, um, and I was sitting in the room and they asked, 
yeah, and they basically told me that we weren't good enough to play the opening of the season. So I'm so I'm backing uh, the Blue Baggers, and I'm so excited that Carlton Collingwood get to open the season how it should be. There was a tradition and started when when in 2017 when it opened, and the tradition should have kept going. It wouldn't have yeah made any difference on later positions. So I'm glad that the AFL is has seen these two teams as they've developed and grown and and I think it's a ripping game. And particularly in Melbourne with those two teams having great followers and great supporters and, yeah, so I think it'll be an amazing game. Obviously, I'm the, uh, backing the, uh, the, blue, uh, the baggers, as I should. Um, so, yeah, so I think it'll be, but Collingwood have massively improved and obviously their recruiting has been excellent. You know, the improvement of Sharni Leighton and obviously Bree Davey is important, but I think, I think the Blues can get it done. And Carlton by how much? Oh, jeez. Oh, it's all the hard questions, isn't it? Oh, listen, there's going to be a kick in it. Well, okay, there we'll, you go. we'll put it down as a goal. Coach Kiwi. Um, I agree, actually, with you, Gravesy. I think, um, you know, it's a long rivalry between these two clubs and a lot of history, and I think um, it, that's in the men's game, and I think it started again in the women's game um, since 2017. So I think it's just fantastic, these two teams, and I think this year is going to be another classic match. You've got two ripping sides, and um, both with some really – really interesting players to watch and, um, you know, potentially could turn the game on a nickel, really. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to back the Blues by five. I think it's going to be that close. Yeah, I think it's going to be very close. And now that Kiwi's back the Blues, I'm feeling sad for the Blues. We should mention that. That kiss of death may just continue on. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Tell the Blues girls out there it wasn't my fault. Coach Kiwi gave you the kiss of death. It wasn't my fault. We should mention a couple of the key recruits, uh, Gurren and O'Day, big recruits in for Carlton. For Collingwood, they picked up Alicia Newman as well to give them some speed. Friday night, 29th of January, these two teams kicked off uh, or had their own round one battle last year. They're doing it again this year at Moorabbin. Friday night football, it is the Saints versus the Western Bulldogs. I'll flip it to Coach Kiwi this time. Who wins? Why? How much? Um, oh, look, I'm just changing my notes even as we speak. I um, I think it's going to be another classic match and there's always a good atmosphere out at um, RSEA Park. Um, but I'm going to go St Kilda this time round. I reckon um, St Kilda by 11. Over to uh, Coach Gravesy. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I hate to continue to agree with Kiwi because it's just not in my DNA, but uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think Saints... Um, and listen, you know, I've got always got a soft spot for the Bulldogs as well through the exhibition series. But the Saints, you know, with Pete Searle coaching, she's really got them going and believing in each other. And I was, you know, their practice match was, you know, they've, they've played some really good footy. And again, they've, you know, you know, they've recruited some really good kids. Pete knows what she's doing and where she wants to go. And I think if they're buying into the plan, I think they're going to move um, you know, continue to to move up the up the ladder. You know, not necessarily you know uh, be be contenders, but I think Pete's got a plan, and I think once they get to the where they want to be, I think that they will be there for a long time. So it's you know it's really putting in um, you know things in place within that St Kilda team that are really going to give them long term you know success. And I, so I, yeah, I'm I'm with the Saints, and and again, I think there won't be too much in it. So a couple of kicks. So I'm with. I'm going to just, you know, change my numbers of Kiwi. But I reckon it might be Saints by 
eight points. Saturday, 30th of January, we go to Metricon Stadium. It is the Gold Coast Suns versus Melbourne. Both of these sides had uh, finals action uh, last year in that shortened season. Uh, Melbourne got through to the second week after they beat the GWS Giants. As we know, the Suns got thrashed by Fremantle, but that's having to fly to Perth essentially twice in a week and on very short notice. Coach Kiwi. Oh, you know, I think um, Suns being a new team last year, they played some really outstanding football and deserve their spot in the final. Uh, who knows how much that um, double travel in the week sort of took a toll on their legs. Um, Melbourne have got some really good experienced players, but their um, off-season trades, I think, have taken a big chunk of that experience out of their team. And uh, I think Gold Coast, uh, some of those girls got coached by some fancy legendary coach at Coolangatta. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Gold Coast by nine. <laughs> And as we go to Grazie, we do mention that a former Melbourne train-on player is now as part of the leadership group at the Gold Coast Suns, one Sarah Perkins. Yes, I did uh, catch up with Perka yesterday and she's she's fitted into the Suns beautifully, just say. So. It's, you know, it's a unique group up here and um, what I have learned um, coaching in Queensland is that, yeah, you certainly, certainly have a, a certain style of... Uh, of how how they roll, so I think Perko's fitted in really well um, at the at the Suns, and you know is has obviously absorbed and been well respected really quickly. And I know they really respect her, and she's been a you know a fantastic attribute to them. So yeah, so in terms of the the Perko factor, I'm glad she's she's up here and settled in well. But um, yeah, listen, the Suns. I, I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely going to uh, bet against them. I, I think they, as I said, there's lots to learn in that team, but they've got a, a ripping um, culture of just, you know, just believing in one another and, and really, um, you know, they're a really good fit side. So being up here in particular, and as I said, everyone's going to have, I think. In, in fact, Queensland has actually got the uh, coolest weather almost in the country um, this week. So I think the girls might actually have some nice relief and everyone might be all very used to 40 degrees by that. But, yeah, I'm back in – I'm always back in the Suns. I'm back in my Suns girls. I, you know, I think they've got a lot to to prove and they'll continue to evolve um, and continue to grow. So, yeah, so I'm with Kiwi and that's probably not even a bias. I, I think Melbourne – will be really, um, uh, really massive contenders towards the back half of the season. I just think it might take them a couple of games to to get into the groove of where they want to see these young, these new young players that they've recruited um, settle. So, you know, I know that they were looking at a long-term sort of development plan to really, you know, given the fact that we may see four more teams over the next couple of years come in, um, to the season. So, yeah, so I think it might just take Melbourne a couple of weeks. I'm certainly not underestimating them, but I think Suns may get them uh, in that first round early up here. And the Suns by how much? Oh, listen, again, <laughs> it's dangerous, isn't it? Uh, I think there'll probably be some a little bit of inaccurate kicking. So I, I reckon Suns by, oh, listen, four points. So a close one there. Let's go to the next game on Saturday, and that is the West Coast Eagles versus the Adelaide Crows, who Gracie thinks might win the wooden spoon versus who Kiwi thinks might win the premiership. I'll start with you, Gracie, who wins it by how much between the Eagles and the Crows? Oh, I know. Wow. 
I think Chelsea Rand will be absolutely chomping at the bit to uh, get out there. So we may see some theatrics, Chelsea up and down, you know, taking those high as doing all that crazy stuff she tends to do. Um, and obviously Erin back on the field as well, even though she was there last year. I think having having their leaders back on there and I think Chelsea obviously taking over the captaincy um, this season on her own, I think that was, you know, that was a fantastic um you know, compliment, I think, from Aaron probably it came from to give Chelsea that opportunity. But um, I honestly think that, uh, yeah, Adelaide are going to be just too classy. I think they'll be up and about. And as I said, I think, you know, West Coast Eagles will have a slow build over season. We're going to see massive improvement. But, you know, these teams have had, you know, Adelaide have been in, this, in the competition for a long time. They've just got too many season contenders in that group. They will... Uh, miss Ev Marinoff. She's going to be obviously still missing for a, a couple of weeks. Um, so they will miss that engine room sort of grunt, but they've got a, a, quite a few players that will take over that role. So, um, yeah, so I'm still thinking Adelaide and I'm still thinking Adelaide by five goals. And at time of recording, Ebony Marinoff was appealing her three-week suspension that was going to be heard on Thursday, January 28th. Coach Kiwi, who wins and by how much? Eagles and the Crows. Um, yeah, look, I think they've just got enough um, good players at the Crows that they can cover Marinoff um, being on the sidelines this week. And um, their practice match, they um, missed a heck of a lot of uh, shots at goal. So I reckon these last couple of weeks, that's probably all they're doing on the track is um, their goal shooting. So I think um, I think they'll be more accurate. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry, West Coast fans, I, I think Crows are going to take this one by 21. Let's go to Sunday football. There's three games. We start at GMHBA Stadium. It is the Cats with a new captain in Meg McDonald versus uh, the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos with a new coach in Darren Crocker. We'll start with you, Coach Kiwi. Who wins it by how much? Yeah, I think um, losing Mel Hickey is probably a big chunk of experience at the back there. But Meg, uh, you know, the way she's just come back to AFLW level has been outstanding. And um, and I know her. She's a fantastic person. I think she's just going to lead that team to um, other heights, I reckon. But uh, North, just better, better lineup, better experience. And they're just a really excellent counter-attacking team. And... Um, move the ball so well up the field, and they've got um, Duffin back too. So um, bolster that, and I think Emma King will see a bunch of goals from her. So, yeah, north by seven. And we should also mention as well, as much as North lost uh, Jess Trent, who was meant to go to Fremantle, but is now sitting out the AFLW season for this year, they did pick up a very handy inclusion from Richmond in Grace Campbell. To you, Gravesy, who wins and by how much for the Cats and the Roos? Yeah, listen, I actually always rate the Cats down at GMHBA Stadium. So, they're, you know, having actually watched them down there and, and, yeah, so it's such a narrow ground. They play it really well. So they do keep teams really low scoring down there generally. But, you know, as Kiwi said, the, the talent in the North Melbourne team is, is really hard to go past. Um, so it may not necessarily be a blowout. Uh, unless North Melbourne love as narrow ground as as Geelong do, um, so yeah, so I, I yeah definitely definitely Melbourne uh, sorry North Melbourne um, against the Cats and I have to reiterate congr- big massive congrats to 
um, to their new captain. I think it's just a fantastic opportunity and, and really inspiring for young players in the terms of, um, you know, the story that, that their new captain gives them and, and where she comes from. So I think, yeah, I agree with all of that and I wish them all the best. But, yeah, North Melbourne's a tough ask at any time and, and I think they'll win. But I think they'll only win by a couple of goals. So I'm, I'm given 18 points. Let's go hey, to this. Um, incidentally, that was the last game last year that had any crowds participating at. Indeed, it was a no, Friday night game. Won it by three goals. Mm, there you go, eighteen points. Maybe I want a winner here. Let's have a look at the game between Richmond and the Brisbane Lions being played at uh, Punt Road Oval. A number of changes at the uh, Richmond Football Club that picked up a couple of players from the Pies and one notable inclusion from Carlton being Sarah Hosking. The Twins have been split up and Sarah's actually been awarded with the vice-captaincy at the Tigers. Gracie, to you, who wins and by how much between the Tigers and the Lions? Uh, listen, yeah, the Lions travelling, again, you throw me under the bus with the Queenslanders and obviously I'm very pleased that Beth Pynchon has been picked up by the Lions and so one of my girls is is up there with them as well, or two of them. I actually have um, Beth Pynchon and uh, Selena Priest playing at Cooley. So, yeah, both ripping players. And, and listen, Brisbane under Stars, they have a real belief. So they always play really good footy and you never know what they're going to bring, weirdly enough. But uh, given that, and down at Punt Road, and, and as I said, says Hosking, um, yeah, I think, yeah, splitting the twins up, obviously I've had a couple of games of golf with Jess Hosking up here over Christmas, so we've got a little bit of insight onto how it's all going, and I think, yeah, I think it's fantastic for the Tigers to have a person of um, Sarah's, uh, just her personality to bring people together. I think she'll be fantastic, and it also connects a couple of the old VFL girls with Akesh Chewett down there and, and um, Maddie Brancatasano, uh, so all ex-Carlton girls all back together down there. So I'm very pleased to see them all playing together again. Listen, I reckon that Richmond might just get over the line down at Punt Road, um, given the first game and, and everything that they've done. I reckon they might just accidentally fall over the line. I'm, th- I'm saying within a goal again. I know the games are all a bit close for what I'm calling, but yeah. So I reckon, yeah, I reckon there's a kick in that one as well. So let's say six points again, Pete. And good to hear that you caught up golfing with Jess Hosking. Is she the good twin? Isn't it the good twin and the evil twin? Anyway, let's have a look at uh, what... It's hard to know which one's evil at what time, (laughs) mate. Coach Kiwi, (laughs) who wins the Tigers and the Lions and by how much? Um, yeah, certainly um, the Tigers with their double double Sarah recruitment because they've got Hoskins down the back and um, small Collingwood forward um, Sarah Dargan down the front. So um, you certainly bolster it. I still think they're just a bit young on um, perhaps some experience around the ground and I think the Lions played some good footy and will continue. And I'm going to go Lions by 19. And their new coach has only been with them as well since after the draft, so a very short time to prepare. The final game of round one of the AFLW 2021 season is going to be a very emotional game at Fremantle Oval. It is uh, the Dockers versus the GWS Giants. Uh, for the Dockers, as we know, the end of the season um, uh, without a loss, they were undefeated. They wanted to be claimed as premiers, according to some fans, um, but uh, unfortunately no premier was awarded for the 2020 season due to it being cut by COVID-19. Unfinished business there, and I'll lead with you, Coach Kiwi, because obviously this is the first game for premiership points for the Giants since the passing of Jacinda Barclay. 
Um, yes, certainly. And, you know, I think um, the girls being in camp has probably been um, really good for them to, um, you know, look after each other and just build um, solidly, go- solidly going forward. Um, being that the game's in um, Perth as well or in Fremantle, um, where Cinder came from, I think, um, is also a pretty nice touch that the AFL probably didn't realise they'd done. Um, but I think um, I think I think Giants will play with some some good heart, and um, hopefully, well, I'm pretty certain they won't be um, overwhelmed by the emotion of the occasion. Um, and anyone who knows Cinder will know um, probably some of the language she used around, um, you know, let's take it to them and let's go there, and it's it's going to be all right. And um, and I'm sure there's some of the mantle that they'll take out in the field. Um, having said that, I just think Freo played some really awesome footy and I reckon those young girls from last year will just be um, a whole on a whole other level again this year. And um, it's hard, but I'm going to tip Freo by 18. And to you, Gravesy, of course, uh, you had a lot to do with Jacinda in WA and a number of the Fremantle footballers played with and against uh, Jacinda with her time down there at Swan District. So for them as well, this is an emotional game with them taking on the GWS Giants. Yeah, it certainly is, Pete. You know, as I said, I, and I, you know, I, I honestly hope that the game um, goes ahead and celebrates exactly where you know where Cinder was at, and I, you know, I hope that you know the family do get down there. It's going to be hard and emotional. I remember, in, you know, when Cinder was down, when GWS Giants played down there, and we all caught up, and she had photos taken with some of my the young people I I used to work with, some of the young Aboriginal girls that I used to work with and used to live with me. So, you know, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, it's hard to talk about. Um, uh, yeah, I'd love, it's yeah, I'd love um, GWS to win uh, for Cinder. But at the end of the day, it's a Western Australian game and it's in Western Australia in her hometown. And, it, it, yeah, and I, uh, I think... You know, so many of those Swan Districts girls who knew Cinder, not a lot of them play with Fremantle because obviously that was a long time ago, but they also, um, you know, what what happened is not lost on our community, on our footy community in WA. So, yeah, so I think it's going to be an emotional game really for both teams and, you know, I'd like to call a nil-all draw. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) ultimately, at the end of the day, Freo are up and about. They've got something to prove from last season and I know they're going to be busting it with everything to to show where they should have been last year and to really make sure that everyone knows, that you know, where they wanted to be. So I think, yeah, I think Freo... We'll have an easy win, um, but it may be a very emotional day. I know it will be very hard for me to watch, obviously, having Coach Cinder at Swan Districts um, back in the day. So, yeah, so I wish everyone the best for that particular game and, and um, that they have a ripping game and look after one another. And, yeah, so, but I do think, yeah, Frio by five goals. <laughs> And that concludes our look at the round. And I should note, we, you did mention nil all draw. The first ever draw in AFLW history was actually between these two clubs, Fremantle and GWS, when it was played out at Blacktown. <laughs> it was. It was. It might be fitting, Pete, but we get a bit nervous. Well, Coach Kiwi and Gracie, thanks very much for joining us on the first edition of Coach versus Coach. And we look forward to your company next week when we take a look back and have a look at what your score has been since round one as we go through this nine-round home and away season. 
Sounds Thanks, good. Thanks, Pete. Always a pleasure. Still to come on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival, we're going to be talking fantasy football. She plays AFLW Fantasy Football League with Jack Hooper. Also on the way, Essendon VFLW head coach Brendan Major and NTFL Women's Repside Vice Captain and Nightcliff Co-Captain Eliza Morrison. Don't go anywhere. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. This is the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Coming up soon, Brendan Major, the head coach of Essendon in the VFLW. But we have round one in the AFLW kicking off this weekend. This is our main focus. And fantasy sports, as we know, is a big thing in the US, and it happens a little here in Australia, the most popular being Dream Team and Super Coach for the AFL men's competition, and there's various forms for the Big Bash League cricket and some for Spring Racing Carnival as well. But there's nothing really in the AFLW space. That was until last year when a small little website, sheplays.com.au, came along, mainly focused on soccer, but they ended up starting an AFLW Fantasy League last year, which, of course, lasted six rounds and had to end early due to COVID-19. Well, they're back bigger and better than ever for season 2021. And to guide us through the world of fantasy football, particularly those that want to play for the first time this year at sheplays.com.au, we've got on the line the person responsible for organising all the scoring system, Jack Hooper. Jack, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad at all. Now, before we go into the all the details about the AFLW game, give everyone a little bit of background how you got involved in the She Plays Fantasy League website. Yeah, so I, I started out running a very basic um, AFLW fantasy competition on Supercoach Talk um, a few years back because... Well, I wanted to play AFLW Fantasy, and there wasn't, it didn't exist. So I decided, oh, well, I'll go and make it. And so it was fairly rudimentary, but it was a lot better than nothing. And so I grew a bit year on year. And then last year, uh, the people from ShePlays reached out to me and decided and proposed to uh, collaborate on their upcoming AFLW competition. And so. I jumped at that opportunity and, yeah, we adopted the scoring system that I had developed uh, for my competition at Supercoach Talk. Um, and I've been also involved just in generally promoting it and I guess trying to help out where I can. Well, we saw the 2020 season was a great kickoff debut year for the She Plays AFLW game. Can you guide us through a little bit of the tweaks that have been done to the system from the 2020 seasons for those that are coming back or for those for the first time taking up 2021 AFLW fantasy? Sure. Um, not a lot has changed from last year. Um, the salary cap is now up to $700,000, which was previously $600,000, so that's up up a bit. Uh, I think that's because some of the players on average might be a bit more expensive this year, so um, that's really to compensate. And the 
they're some of them are more expensive this year, and some are, some are also less more some are less expensive too, because it was it was a lot more complicated before, whereas now it's um, uh, now it's a much simpler system for pricing, and so that's that's those are the two uh, biggest changes from last year. I think the rest of it is still basically the same. So the way it works is you have a salary cap of seven hundred thousand dollars. You pick a squad of twenty-one players, um, of which six have to be six defenders, six midfielders, six forwards, um, two rucks, and you've also got one free position that you can use for uh, any player for any position. Then from that squad, you field um, a team of 16 players, so five defenders, five midfielders, five forwards, and a ruck. And inside that, you've got uh, your classic captain and vice-captain set up. Uh, so the captain gets double points, and if they don't play, your vice-captain gets double points. And there's a bench, so if one of your players doesn't play, someone from your bench will hopefully come in to replace them as long as they're from the same position. Um, so that's, that's how the squads work. Um, the way the scoring is set up is basically around a whole, whole bunch of different stats, but they really boil down to a few core ideas, uh, one of which is winning football on the inside, so tested possessions, clearances, so forth, hit up, hit up, and so forth. Um, and then there's ball use. So what we do there is we wait for their meters, players' meters gained, the amount of territory they've gained in one direction along the whole ground. Um, and then we weight that by their disposal efficiency. So players who gain a lot of territory and retain possession, get rewarded. Um, there's also things based around um, pressure and defense. So whatever you do when you don't have the ball. So tackle, which is worth um, four points, and another four points inside 50. Uh, one percenters, so things like spoils, um, smothers, knock-ons, corralling, etc. That's also worth four points, adds an intercept. And then, of course, there is um, kicking at goal. So goals are worth 12 points. Um, Behinds are worth one point. If you have a shot at goal and don't score anything, it's minus one point. But you can get six points for goal assist or three points for involvement. I mean, the, the full list of stats and how they're weighted is up on the Sheepways website. Um, but basically, the big it focuses really on it rewards players who win their own ball and use the ball well, as well as people players who put on a lot of physical pressure or especially also players who take a lot of contested marks. They can do that well. 
Now, obviously, we've got all the points of view talked about how they're gained through the year and people are thinking, oh, okay, do I have someone's going to get a lot of clearances? Maybe I need a four because they're going to take marks, particularly if they're contested marks, that's bonus points, etc. So that then spins into the players themselves. How do you sit down and, and your fellow volunteers to consider how much each player should be worth when it comes to a monetary value before round one, before people can start going, all right, I'm going to take this player and this player and finding that right balance between not having a side stack with superstars that you can only have so many superstars and then you've got to try and find your rookies and your value players yeah sure so that's based around if they played before if the player has previously played in the AFLW um, then they will be priced based on um, how they performed in their most recent season most players that's last year um, a few might not have played last year injury or other reasons for that be 19 for example um, but basically it's priced based on how they performed according to the scoring system in their previous season now if they're new to the AFLW then it really depends on where they were taken in the draft so high draft picks are priced a lot higher than lower draft picks and rookies and so forth also, that does beg the question when it comes to round two, round three, round four, etc. as we go on to the season, will we see the price fluctuate for players? And also, is that uh, fluctuation uh, accounting for loss of form or injury? Unfortunately, we won't be having fluctuating prices this year. Um, it's a feature we'd like to implement in a future season, but we've just left it a bit late this year, and so haven't been able to do that. So the prices that you see now will be the same prices Throughout the season. We may see Anthony Marinoff as a player that some may avoid. She's one of the most expensive at $60,000 in the game. And as we know, at this moment, we're waiting upon to see if she's cleared to play or if the three-week suspension will still stand. Indeed. Well, you can, of course, trade players um, in or out every week. So you get two... Every round, you get two free trades that you can use to swap player out from your team and another player in. And then if you want, at the cost of 100 points per trade, you can actually get an additional trade. So if you're, if you're ever in that bad situation where you think, I really need three or four trades this round, which is, in most cases, not going to be worth the extra points that costs you, but may very occasionally be worth it. And so that flexibility is built in um, into our score, into sorry, our trading system, which is not... That interesting thing about the cost of a 100-point trade, if you go that additional trade, essentially you've got to find someone that is a young superstar that's just had a bolter of a game that you feel is not only going to score 100 points plus, but you're hoping enough that you can make the captain and maybe double on and therefore get your money back and then some. Yeah, well, not not only outscoring the 100 points, they cost you to get in, but also outscoring whoever would have played had you not done that. So the sum of those two together is what they need to do, what they need to score to break even, and that's usually very, very high. So it's rarely worth it, but there may be rare occasions when it pays off. 
what is interesting for people looking at value and they're sitting down and they look at the numbers, the most expensive players at the moment, the five that are worth $60,000. We mentioned Ebony Marinoff, no doubt for a tackling, and Hatchard, which is uh, the Crows' uh, best and fairest. Uh, Jasmine Garner, some felt were very unlucky in the uh, W League, uh, pardon me, the AFLWW Awards uh, voting. Uh, Kiara Bowers worth sixty grand. Jamie Lambert uh, worth sixty grand. Of course, had a great VFLW season back into the AFLW. But what is interesting for those that might be looking for the slightest ever bit of value is that behind the sixty thousand, saving five grand on fifty five thousand, is the reigning league best and fairest, Madison Press Parkers. Yeah, yeah, she's priced a touch behind um, behind some of those other players. I think she might have had they've had one slightly down game last year, and that might be bringing the average and therefore her price down a bit, um, just from memory. Um, yeah, she was otherwise she was otherwise phenomenal. So definitely one to you know, get in. Um, I think Kiara Bowers presents value even at the top end of price range because the price. The Pricing system we have has a cutoff at the top end, so she's at the top end of that. But her output over the last couple of seasons has been in excess of what you would expect to get for that sixty thousand. So she's pretty much for anyone who's new to this, I would just say pick Kiara Bowers and make Kiara Bowers captain. For those that are pondering for something that may be of value, if you do want to take a bit of a risk because uh, she is coming off that ACL industry which wiped her out for the 2020 season, you've got the likes of Chelsea Randall, who's a mid-marketer at 40 grand. Yeah, definitely one to consider, um, as would be her teammate Erin Phillips, uh, who played last year but had a sort of injury affected, still affected by, I think, her injury from grand final. And so her output was well down on previous season. So if she can get back to anything close to where she's been in the past, then she presents quite good value. And for those that like looking at the new talent coming through, those that have been drafted, the number one AFLW draft pick was Ali McKenzie to Richmond, and she is worth $30,000. Yeah, I think if you look at the top-end draft picks over the last few years, they've tended to outperform what that would be priced to be, uh, to perform at, sorry. So, um, although they, they're all expensive, they often tend to be actually quite good value in the end because they end up scoring a lot relative to what they're priced. Um, and so I think Ellie McKenzie should sort of, um, slot straight in at, in the Richmond midfield. Um, and they need, help they can get based on last year. So I think she'll probably do well compared to her price. And so I, I think she's more than likely going to be in my team. And how about for the Irish players that have come across, how do you see the value in those that have switched in the Gaelic game to Aussie rules? I, I point out an example for those looking for a newbie. You've got Lauren McGee, who has come out to Australia, will be playing her first Aussie rules season with uh, Melbourne. She's worth $15,000 and classes a defender. Yeah, well, you see, these players who come in as rookies are priced at the bottom end of the price range. So very often they end up presenting very good value. Um, the only thing to watch out for is you have to be careful which ones to pick because some of them um, don't end up being very good value. And what's, what you see in AFLW is with distribution of points, it 
tends to be much more concentrated towards the top end compared to what you might see in the men's game. Um, and that's, I think I expect that to shift a bit over the next few years, but right now it's still the top handful of players getting a huge number of points and then uh, leftovers for everyone else. Um, and so it can be, it's probably worth paying top dollar for some of those uh, top players. Um, but if you can pick someone who's going to do well, um, then you can do tremendously well out of that. And there have been plenty of players um, last year, but also in previous competitions that have been bottom-priced rookie players who've gone on to score uh, very, very well. So it's definitely worth looking into um, all those kinds of players. This is, but you know, I would say to anyone, do your research. Um, don't pick them just because they're cheap. As a general rule of thumb, particularly for those that are playing for the first time in 2021 on cheapplays.com.au or those that have played in 2020, maybe had a poor first year and are looking for a, a bit of guidance for their second year in playing the She Plays AFLW fantasy game, what would you say is a, a general rule of thumb, giving a rough percentage breakdown of saying your high-priced players, your mid-market and, you, and your um, bargain basement players on that mix that you're trying to look for? Yeah, it's an interesting one because... Unlike in competitions such as AFL Fantasy or Supercoach, where prices change from week to week, that doesn't happen in this competition. And so you don't have the need to, or the ability, in fact, to generate cash. Um, and so that changes the way you look at rookies a bit. It becomes, you know, often, oftentimes the rookies are still worth getting in, but that's because they are getting a lot of points relative to their costs rather than because they're going to generate cash. And so I don't think for those who come from say a super coach background, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend going as trying to go sort of pure guns and rookies strategy. I think it's really a I'd have a few players from the top maybe one or two from very from the very top end and then maybe look for value around the forty to fifty thousand dollar value value range and then find some value maybe some breakout players in the 30s, and then get some high draft picks like Ellie McKenzie, and then also see if you can find value in later draft picks for rookies. Now, Jack, before we go, if people want to go a little bit more in-depth and talk about who might be good players to put in their side and tips and tricks on what they should do, particularly as the season goes along with their trades, a little bit more in-depth than our discussion that we've had now, I believe uh, you've got something set up on Supercoach Talk. Yeah, we'll be having discussion threads up on there throughout the season. Um, so if people want to chat with their fellow super, fellow coaches, um, uh, get advice, uh, give advice, um, or just what other people are thinking or bounce ideas around or whatever, they can go and do that there. Great. And that website address again for Supercoach Talk that people want to uh, check out? Sure, it's supercoachtalk.com. And for those that want to play AFLW fantasy football, it's simple. Go to sheplays.com.au. It's free to sign up, free to register. doesn't cost you a thing at all at any stage. Sheplays.com.au for AFLW fantasy football. Jack Hooper, thanks very much for your time. And joining us on the line now is the head coach of Essendon in the VFL women's competition. He's been at the helm for... 
Could you say two seasons or three seasons, considering season three didn't happen? As we explain in a moment, perhaps a future AFLW coach with Essendon, with the Bombers pushing hard for a future licence in the competition. It's great to have on the line Brendan Major. Major, how are you? Yeah, really good, really good. Just heading to football training now, so it's exciting. Well, it's great to head to training knowing that at least it looks like a season will kick off in a month's time after everything we went through last year. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it's exciting that it's coming back. It was a pretty interesting year. We, um, we were considered ourselves in a pretty good spot. We had a, the squad moving really well and then obviously COVID hit and that threw a spanner in the works as it is for everybody. So, yeah, it's exciting to be back. I guess that's one key question before we go into a few little details about 2020, but how is it trying to refine the momentum? Because the 2018 season was um, a foundation year for Essendon, just the one win. Then in 2019, the wheels got going, particularly in the second half of the year, and if one or two results went your way, you could have been knocking on the door for sixth spot and a, a debut finals berth for the Bombers. So things were going in the right direction, and then obviously COVID just goes bang, breaks on everybody. Yeah, we uh, we were pretty happy with the momentum that we carried out of the 2019 season. Obviously, you know, 2018 was going to be difficult for a lot of teams with the, sort of the, the changing of the league and the, the expansion clubs coming into the VFLW season. Um, then 2019, we, we thought we actually started really well. We just couldn't get the job done in the early rounds, losing a couple of our first you know, three games by less than a goal. Excuse me. So it was, um, we weren't, we weren't, Unhappy with the start of the season, but we really got going and we got a you know, we gelled really well as a group at about mid year, and then we started to play some really football after that. Um, players really started to grow into their positions, and we think we started to get the best out of the squad. So we were happy with that. Um, we were hoping to carry, and as far as we knew, we were carrying you know, predominantly the main squad into the next year. Um, so this year's a bit will be, will be interesting, obviously, with the changing of the league again and losing some key players to um, sort of taking some time off and, and their AFLW commitment. So, yeah, this, it'll be, uh, it'll be a, a redefining sort of period in the early part of the year of working out sort of how the whole squad moves together. How did you look after your squad during this weird period of March through to, let's say, about November last year? First of all, we had the, I guess you call it stage uh, three lockdown, which wasn't as hard as the stage four lockdown, which happened around April or so. You've got players that are kind of at home, limited movement. There was some hope that there'd be a shortened VFLW season, say everyone plays each other once before, obviously, they cancelled and went with the Super Series. A, with that, how did you manage players thinking, okay, we're going to get a season up and going? And then when the second lockdown happened, a case of, okay, do I train them? Do I mentally just give them time off or whatever, knowing, okay, realistically, we now have to look at pre-season 2021? So it's a, it's a really interesting um, question. And it was really different between the two lockdowns myself. Um, I found when the initial COVID challenges came up, we tried to, we, you know, I called the whole squad individually and talked to them about, you know, what, what I thought they could work on and, and where we could go and what sort of our plans were. Uh, we sent out training programs and we tried to get people moving under the idea that when we started back up, that it would be sort of a stage start-up and get together in threes and fours and then, you know, build be quickly back into a main squad. And then when that didn't happen... 
So we sort of had the first lockdown, then it sort of opened up a little bit. Um, and then once the second lockdown hit, we really changed tack and we went to, okay, well, we're going to give our players a bit of a break. Um, you know, there's, there's we get large lists of 40-odd players. Everyone's going through unique challenges, COVID through different things to different people. So we sort of backed right off. Um, we tried to sort of touch base every now and then, but we really went away from trying to organise any kind of structures. You know, you should be doing this. Um, we didn't really want to put any further stress on players at that time. So it was really different between the two lockdowns. Um, and I find uh, what happened when we uh, when the, the, the second lockdown ended, we tried to get going basically straight away. So we knew that we'd have to build them up physically again. So I spoke to the high-performance team really early and, and spoke to them about getting our players ready to train again. So just trying to reduce the injury risk. You're never going to take it away. But the big part about us starting back as quickly as we did um, was about trying to reduce the, the risk of injuries for the players on our list. And that poses a big question because coming up very shortly, you're going to have your first practice match before we build up into round one, which is February 27, 28. How much do you have to manage that, particularly game time in that first practice game and putting, I guess, a bit of a rain on the players that it's their first game of footy in a year and a half. Naturally, all the energy and excitement, as much as it's a practice game, is you want to go out there and, you know, get a touch of the footy and get into it, but not to overdo it. Yeah, we, um, we're we really fortunate at Essendon that we have a fantastic high-performance medical team. So I handed over a lot of the programming to them in the first six weeks just to gradually increase change of direction. For the longest time, we weren't, under league rules, allowed to do contact work. So we had to... Uh, we got Malcolm Bangs in basically as soon as we could to try and get that expertise in gradually returning the contact work back in. And then we'll, over the next four weeks, continuously build the volume of, and intensity of our training sessions up, kind of using that first practice match as the first start point. But I remember three weeks into our preseason, sort of, you know, December last year, we had a lot of players you know, nearly a third of our list in the physical prep group just with little niggles just because their bodies weren't, they, you know, they weren't ready to do training. The year off was really rough at all. You actually had a situation where some of the players managed to leave the state to be able to go away and play footy. Uh, unfortunately, due to opportunities for them, they, they haven't come back. For example, we've had Ruby Spark, who headed up to Queensland, and, of course, uh, she got picked up by the Brisbane Lions. Courtney Eugle went up to play with Cullingatta Tweed and played in the grand final of the QAFLW and, in fact, is currently a train-on player with the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, so, the, I mean, it was really fortunate for those players that could... Um, sort of get out of the state and and get some some games in, and there was some unique sort of unique situations thrown up with people that could work remotely and were able to um, uh, were able to to follow their passion and play football in other states, which is fantastic for them. I mean, for someone like Ruby, um, Ruby was really raw to football. She she'd only been playing for sort of one or one or two years maximum. But Ruby has a great work ethic and has a, a, a raw, a raw uh, amount of athleticism. That's really um, put her in a fantastic position to be able to contribute really well at AFLW level. 
So we we had noticed Ruby as a as a potential AFLW player, or you know since, since she came into the program and she's an extremely hard worker. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, would love to have her, but part of our you know our number one role at Essendon at the moment is only having a VFLW program is to try and get players drafted into the AFLW. So we we celebrate that as much as possible. Um, Courtney Eugle obviously went up and played really well. So she got a, an opportunity to train on with Gold Coast. But Courtney's actually back working at the club already, so she's training with us at the moment. Well, that's fantastic because if you can get Courtney Eugle in your side, that is going to be a, a very big help. Of course, um, you know she's been fantastic for the side, particularly in that engine room uh, when we talk about the 2019 yep. season that had Georgia Nanscorn in there, had Courtney Eugle in there, had Shay Audley in there as well. And one player that I also want to mention, which unfortunately no longer with you because she's doing fantastic things on the AFLW level, which we never got to talk to you about because it was the draft the year prior and obviously we missed everything 2020. Georgia Patrikios, who went to the Saints. We should also mention Crystal Petrescu got picked up by Melbourne. But Georgia played four yep. games for you at the Bombers and was named in the best all four times. An absolute superstar. Yeah, I mean she's a she's a fantastic player and she's a she's a fantastic person. She'll be a she'll be a future leader of that football club. I've no doubt about that. I mean she came in. She obviously came through the Calder program um, and they developed you know they developed all their players really well and they developed her really well and. She showed a level of professionalism and a level of um, football skill that you know, was was fantastic to watch. And she was a fantastic person to work with. So um, she's only going to get better. Let's talk about recruits for 2021. Like all clubs, it's a bit difficult because normally you would have been scouring a full NAB League season in 2020 and obviously the uh, cream of the crop would have gone to the AFLW. Those that missed out, that's it. Then the VFLW clubs come in to say, hey, come play with us to try and get your second chance. At the same time as well, you look at community football, whether it be the VAFA or in your backyard, the EDFL and nearby with the NFNNL. Um, you normally look through those competitions and you start to find bolters, some diamonds in the rough that you go, well, with the right training, they could be something. How hard is that to recruit in that type of environment where you don't have that season where those players, particularly in their early 20s, are able to have that development year and you're able to spot and go, okay, this player can be something? Yeah, I mean, it's tremendously difficult to try and recruit um, players in the current environment. Obviously, with you know new teams coming in, player movement, um, matching up with the AFLW season, no NAB League um, competition going on at all. They all contribute to make it a little bit more difficult to recruit. Um, having said that, I think the NAB League clubs have done tremendously well in developing players. So the, the players coming out of, you know, the top eight are coming out of Calder um, are really well prepared. They just, they, the players come each, each year, they get, they get better and better prepared for, for the, the level that we're coaching at. Um, with the NAB League going up a year, so it's another 19 competition now, I've found both Bentio and Polder coaches and administrators are uh, really great to work with in, in, in dealing with when the players will be available for, to play for us and when the players will need to play for them and to maximise their chances of playing nationals. So that's been, that's been great. And we've also been really fortunate that uh, we've created, we'd like to think that we've created a good, a good culture at Essendon that's attracted players like um, Mia Ray um, and, you know, uh, some other players to the club 
through that. And then also, you know, we've actually actively gone out and got, you know, a logger and a, and then a Mackie from, from Bulldogs who will contribute really well um, to our list this year. A very good get there in Emma Mackey from the Western Bulldogs and, of course, Mia Ray Clifford with all the AFLW experience that she has. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's really interesting. The, the calibre of players that come to your club make a massive difference um, on field, obviously, but they also make a massive difference off field. So um, we've got players that have come in and contributed really well to training sessions and made our training sessions better already. So that's... That uh, sets up a stronger culture as well. We, we try and promote um, the players and empower the players to, to have control over and more say over you know, how they train and how they perform. So these players coming in with, a, with experience, different voice makes a massive difference. Having a look through your list as well, retaining a number of players from that uh, solid 2019 year. Simone Nelda from the uh, photo galleries that I've seen looking fitter than ever. Uh, Elizabeth Hosking, Laurie Stepnall as well. Uh, Kendra Heil is back after finishing top three in the best and fairest. And talking about the best and fairest, you've retained your club best and fairest in Georgia Nanscorn. Yeah, I mean, we've been really lucky um, with that group of players, so... You know, Kendra Isles worked really, you know, worked really, really well in the off, really, really hard in the off season and did really, really well last year. Um, Georgia Nance Corn obviously is a consummate professional. She she prepares as best as an athlete as I've seen. So they came back in really good shape. Simone Nolder obviously um, was an excellent performer for us last year and fantastic leader around the club. But we've also got a good, a really strong core group of younger players coming through. So Alana Barber, for example, um, hit the ground running this preseason. You, know, if you could excuse some of the younger players for um, you know, taking a little bit longer to get back into it, but Barb's hit the ground running, Coop's hit the ground running. Um, these younger players, even uh, you know, Mariana Anthony and... Um, and Olivia Hosking that you mentioned, they've, they've come back in really good shape and they've worked really, really hard in the off-season independently. So they give themselves the best opportunity. There's also another recruit you picked up, and that was in the coaching ranks. You actually picked up Gavin Urquhart from North Melbourne. Yes, yes. He's been, he has been a fantastic guest. So we, um, fortunately slash unfortunately, we had some, some coaches move on to AFLW club in the off-season. So Wayne Schultz and uh, Natasha Hardy moved on to the AFLW club, um, which is a fantastic opportunity for them. But then uh, to get to get Gavin to come across, he's been he's been fantastic for us. He's, his wealth of football knowledge is great, but his ability um, to, to build connections with the players is actually really strong. Um, so he's come in with he's coached his own team before, so he understands the. He understands the, the dynamic around whole coaching groups and he, he's blended well with the group. He's working well with the development coaches, um, Chloe Lan. So it's, it's going to be um, it's gonna be exciting to have, have him, his football knowledge as well as his, as his coaching experience in our group. 
Now, for what I understand for the planned 2021 uh, VFLW season, there's a few rule changes. The most notable is that it will go from 18 aside to 16 aside to match the AFLW, and uh, they'll also be scrapping the anti-density rule. Now, you've had a little bit of experience with the 16 aside when you were an assistant coach in that uh, first year at Collingwood. As a head coach, you've always coached 18 aside, being at the Eastern Devils and now at Essendon. Um, How much does that change, I guess, A, a little bit of your philosophy, a little bit of your recruiting as well to try and focus on the 16 aside game. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's not something that I've, you know, obviously, as you said, I haven't had, um, have, I've had a little bit of exposure to it, but I haven't had a lot. Um, watching the AFLW over the last few years, uh, you kind of get an idea of some trends in the game. So maybe the game looking for, for players that are a bit faster as opposed to players that are a bit bigger. Um, so we've, we've kind of tried to focus a little bit on speed and the ability to cover ground. Um, structurally, the anti-density does change a lot of things. Um, obviously, worrying too much about starting positions and trying to get structures that are conducive to moving from a set starting position into a structure uh, was, was a very interesting process, so that's gone now. Um, but outside of that, Everyone seems to do the same thing in terms of you just you lose a third pocket, you lose a back pocket, as opposed to trying to make huge structures somewhere else. So we'll we'll try and take from the AFLW's lead and and um, and play the game in a simple way. The other thing that you've had to work a little bit around is being at Tullamarine. Of course, the new NEC hangar uh, developments are going on there, and that means a lot for women's football as well. There's going to be a number of new facilities, including um, dedicated women's change rooms. Uh, how's it been uh, training at Tullamarine, uh, trying to work your way around the construction works? Uh, a little bit. We're really lucky, to be honest. That, um, the construction's pretty self-contained. We've still got, um, you know, we, we train on alternate nights for the VFL men. Um, we do some joint training sessions together, but, um, you know, we, we predominantly share the facility on alternate nights. So it really hasn't affected us much at all. It, it's really exciting for us. It's really exciting for the club. It's really exciting for, for the future of women's football in the area because it's, it's a fantastic facility. Um, it's going to be finished in stages, so it's actually going to be usable very, very soon, um, and it's going to be fantastic for our group and the players that get to use that. Is there a possibility that that will mean that Tullamarine will be used on occasions as a home ground for the VFLW? And I point out the reason that, uh, obviously, in the first two seasons, you'd play at Windy Hill. Uh, Windy Hill will not be available to you in February and early March, and even to a little bit of April, depending on how the Essendon Cricket Club go, because uh, they obviously play in the Premier Victoria Cricket Competition, and they do use that ground for the summer. Um, excuse me. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm... My understanding is that it, that Tullamarine has been spoken about as, as a ground um, that we could possibly play at, but I don't think any any decisions have been made on that at, at, at uh, this stage. It's a fantastic facility, and it, it could be quite easily set up to have um, games played there um, for Premiership points. So I think it's I think it's a good option, not just a viable option, but it's um, they're, they're not conversations that I'm privy to at this point. 
and we know it is a good ground to play on, as we saw with that uh, Essendon GWS Invitational match that was uh, played back in 2019. Well, Brendan, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel Carnival. We wish you and the Bombers all the very best over the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed, no injuries as we get through the practice games. And then finally, we can all breathe a sigh of relief on the weekend of February 27 and 28 when the VFLW returns. Yeah, thanks very much. Excited. Still to come on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival, we have got the vice captain of the NTFL women's representative side and co-captain of the Nightcliff Tigers in the NTFL Women's Premier League, Eliza Morrison. Been playing for a while Sweet kicks Cos footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football and over the weekend, we saw representative football played in Darwin at Teo Stadium, where for the first time ever, it was the NTFL women's representative side. The Buffaloes take on the Sanford women's team in Glenelg. It ended up being a very handy victory in the end, 5-5 to 1-7 for the Buffaloes over Glenelg. And it's great to have on the line the vice captain of the NTFL women's representative side. And also, she's a co-captain with the Nightcliff Tigers in the NTFL women's Premier League, Eliza Murray. Eliza, how are you? Yeah, I'm going fantastic, thank you. Really well. First question I need to ask you is, have you dried out? It was torrential rain to start the game against Glenelg. <laughs> yeah, so my boots are still out to dry, but unfortunately it just keeps raining, so hopefully we'll have a break and they can dry out soon. But uh, yeah, nothing that we're not used to at the moment in the Territory, that's for sure. Now, just to explain for everyone that's listening, they think, oh, hang on, representative football, NTFL women's. Can you explain what the difference is, obviously, between that side that played on the weekend compared to we had, of course, the NT Thunder team that played uh, in the VFLW going back the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So the NTFL representative team took upon the best players out of their direct competition of the NTFL. So each club, I believe... Um, had a contribution and say into players who were submitted to a original squad. So we started with a squad of 40 girls um, and different numbers from different clubs depending on the strength of each club. And then, yeah, it was actually a really good um, journey. We um, slowly cut down only the Thursday before the game to a final um, 27, so the 24 plus three emergencies for the NTFL, whereas um, – with the NT Thunder team, there wasn't that restriction that you had to play for the NTFL competition. 
Now, we should point out that the quality of the players in the side that we have a mixture of AFLW and VFLW experience that did play on the weekend. Of course, last week we chatted to Amy Chittick. She was in the side. Former VFLW footballer and Rennie Hicks was there. Uh, the uh, Western Bulldogs captain from the grand final in 2019. Your teammate at Nightcliffe, Michaela Ward in the side. AFLW footballer with Gold Coast. Jasmine Hewitt was in the rack. Katie Streeter, who played uh, very well for the NT Thunder in their couple of seasons uh, in the Victorian competition. It was a star started side that you had to line up against Glenelg. Yeah, it was. And as well as those players who have had the experience, there's also a few other players who are hoping to get that next step into their football in um, this year or the following years to come. So we, we were really lucky to have a couple of under-18 girls. Um, Molly Oakhouse was one who played absolutely fantastic. And I think while it was great for some of us more experienced players to get a run, I think just to yeah, give a pathway for those girls. Um, I think our captain, Ray Bush, put it really well that not all the talented footballers in the NT are going to get to transition to that AFLW or VFLW level, not necessarily for talent reason, but for other reasons as well. So it's a fantastic opportunity to showcase what, as, as you explained, the, um, yeah, the really um, good depth that we have in the territory of football. Can you talk about the game plan trying to head into this match? Normally, if it's dry conditions, uh, it, whether it's hot or whether it's cold, there's a lot of talk of, oh, we're running it wide, we're carrying the ball, possession football, etc. whatever the mindset might be. What is the mindset for the team as you look out to the field, you go, okay, the rain is coming down, it's been coming down for quite some time, there's water splashing off the oval. Um, <laughs> how do you try and develop some type of game plan and discipline in conditions like that? Yeah, it's um. Look, we're still stuck to our structures. We put a really big emphasis on the lead up in um, coming together as a team. I think the really unique difference that we have between um, ourselves and Glenelg is we're in the middle of the season. So you know, while we're training with you know the girls who we're playing with on a Wednesday, we go to our club training the Thursday to prepare to beat them in their own team on the Saturday. So for us, um, the the big thing was about representing the. NT and leaving our club colours at the door um, and sticking to those structures. But definitely the moment that um, it started pouring down in warm-up actually turned to a lot of possession football um, and just, yeah, keeping it keeping it in front and the quickest route that we could to goal as well and trying to get a lot of scores on the board early. Now, the two best players to come out of that game, uh, both awarded joint best on ground honours, were Jasmine Hewitt for her uh, work in the ruck. And again, as we mentioned earlier, Nightcliff teammate in Michaela Ward. Michaela kicked two goals in that first quarter and covered a lot of ground. She wasn't a stay-at-home forward. Uh, despite the conditions, um, the amount of miles that she covered in the forward half. Yeah, Michaela is a fantastic teammate to play with. I've had the opportunity to be in my second season with her now at Nightcliff, and I um, am a midfield player, so I know that as long as I get a kick within 20 metres of Michaela, she'll make my kicks look really good and work really hard to go onto the ball. So I think especially in wet weather football where, you know, you can jump on top of the ball and sort of rip out some tackles, but it just comes down to the want and the... Um, the need to just get the ball as quick as you can. And Michaela just works so hard, as you said, for a stay-at-home forward, but um, has got the 
the power and drive in the legs to just be really attacking and a really big threat as she was on the weekend. And you also had another Nightcliff teammate actually get on the scoreboard in uh, Lauren Gooden. Lauren's been having a great season. Ten games, nine goals being named uh, four times in the best at the Tigers. Yeah, Lauren's been fantastic. Um, I think she came across from another club to us this year and it took a couple of games, um, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, to kind of work out her position um, because she can play anywhere on the ground. So predominantly at Nightcliff, we've been playing her in the um, ruck forward, but she's just so athletic and takes a really good overhead mark. Um, Again, though, really good at just getting it off the ground, similar to Molly Althaus, as we saw on the weekend, and tackle pressure and wants for the ball as well. So she's been a really good addition for our side and for the NT rep side on the weekend as well. And just briefly uh, talking about your opposition, because as you mentioned, uh, this was essentially a pre-season game for Glenelg because they get ready to ramp up for the Sanford W uh, season. Only the one goal kicker that was their vice captain, uh, Chelsea Packer, got on the scoreboard. But what did impress you about the Glenelg side and them having to play, uh, certainly in foreign conditions compared to what they'd been training in down Adelaide? <laughs> yeah, just, just their physicality. I think sometimes if you haven't had a hit out, there's a really big difference between training and intensity. But, geez, they absolutely came to play. And from that first centre bounce, um, yeah, it was, it was really physical as the ball went up. Anytime you got the ball, there was just heat straight on you. So we, as a team, had to really adjust and get rid of the ball really quickly. But any errors that we made in particular um, throughout that midfield, they would just pounce and make us pay on it. And that's actually what happened with that with their goal that they got. Um, they were just able to lock it into that 50 and they looked really dangerous in the end of that um, the second term or third term, I think it was. So let's talk about yourself, Eliza, as we turn away from that game. Um, how did you find yourself, like a number of Victorians are up in Darwin at the moment, but you've actually been up there for a couple of years. But how did you end up going from the Cats to spending time up in Darwin? Yeah, um, my journey to Darwin actually started as a little bit of a joke. Um, my husband was working at Cricket Australia um, in operations of the Big Bash League and he actually grew up in Darwin. So he moved here um, when he was seven and did all his schooling and then we were fortunate enough to meet when we were doing our time at university and then it came to a time in his career where um, you know the opportunity to move away um, was going to be good for the resume and I thought it would be somewhere exotic like, you know, London or New York, but um, it actually turned out to be Darwin. So at the time I was working at Geelong Cats um, and had, look, it was it was a dream job there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, to have an opportunity to move away and find yourselves as individual and couples and I also then transitioned into a role at AFLNT as their high performance manager um, with only within being in the territory with six months so we um, we uh, landed on our feet and I'd never actually played football myself until I got to the territory so it's been a really um, positive move for the both of us. How long did you find it took till you got the rhythm of the game, considering that when we look at your first season, it was only six matches and you originally played with the uh, Darwin Buffets before you went across to playing with Nightcliffe over this uh, past two seasons? Yeah, that um, first season at um, Buffaloes was a pretty broken one for me. I missed the first, um, first like all the pre-season and the first month because I was actually travelling back to Victoria to get married, so... Once we did that and I knew that there was going to be um, – I didn't need to worry about any bandages at the wedding, um, I was 
pretty keen to transition. I was playing basketball, so basketball's always been my sport growing up. I was unfortunate that I um, tore my quad in the first season, um, and then that actually turned into a stress fracture um, in my femur. So that was a pretty um, tough couple of months for me in terms of that the rehab process. But then I was able to play enough games before it happened to qualify for finals, and then came back just for the for the finals campaign. Um, and then just um, yeah, over the off season. Um, as I said, I'd, I'd only been at Darwin for a limited amount of time and just made some really good friends at Nightcliffe and transitioned over to there where I've been for this is my second season with them now. What do you put it down to with Nightcliffe's um, success in making uh, at least one finals campaign last year? Look at the moment on track to make a second finals campaign because as we talked about with uh, Michaela and uh, uh, Rosemary Chloe, now Rosemary Quoker uh, previously, um, in years gone by, Nightcliffe were the strugglers that were down the bottom end of the table. Now competitive, mid-table, still a bit of improvement to go, but competitive with eyes on the finals. Yeah, um, the success has coincided pretty closely with um, the arrival of Shannon Miller as coach. So she's come in and given the club a bit of a shake-up. Um, so she started the season before my season. I think even in that first season, they only had one or two wins for the season. Um, and then from there, I guess the, it, it was just trust in the process. So through that first season and then even last season, and still this season, um, building up a lot of the girls. So it was only going to be a matter of time. And I think this has happened a lot at other clubs. Southern Districts were in a similar situation a few years ago um, where we got we had a lot of girls, I guess, like myself, who have come over from other sports and then fallen in love with football. But your passion, you know, excels um, pretty quickly, but your skills sort of stay down below. So I think it, it sort of... Um, Last season was just reward for effort. Um, the fitness side of things definitely got us across the line and consistency. We had a lot of our success straight after Christmas. So I think for us last year, training really hard over Christmas and getting that reward and just coming together and gelling as a team at, at the right time. So hopefully we can deliver the same towards the finals campaign. Um, if we are, or hopefully once we cement our spot in the season there. Let's talk about some of your better players. We've already mentioned Michaela and yourself and Lauren Gooden, but a couple of names that stand out. Uh, first of all, uh, Jackie uh, Aon Smith, um, or Anion Smith, I hope I get that correctly. Yep, um, yep. Yep, uh, she's got 16 goals so far, leading your goal kickers, named in the best four times. Yeah, so her nickname is actually Legs, um, and that is because she can kick the ball um, about, yes, yeah, a, a hell of a long way, sort of 50 to 60 metres on both feet as well. I, one of the games that stands out for me was last season when we played Southern Districts. Um, she turned around, kicked a goal just from outside of 50, which for any female um, to do is outstanding. And then I thought to my head and thought, she's just kicked that on her left foot. So she is just absolutely fierce around goal. Um, Again, a really hard-working um, forward as well. She has had some time in the midfield, so we're just trying to get a couple of bigger bodies to run through the midfield to, um, yeah, just with that drive for the ball. But she's another one who just works really hard at training um, and on her fitness and strength to just 
prevent injuries and just stay on the track because last season she had a bit of a broken season with injuries. So it's been great to see her play almost every game this year. Uh, Emily Casey has played 13 games this year, named in the best five times. In fact, she was named as an emergency uh, for the NTFL women's Buffalo side on the weekend. Yeah, we've only had four players who have played all 13 games this season. And when you look at those players who've played them, um, they've been just really consistent and um, players that we're, we're really lucky that we've had. So Emily came across for us from St. Mary's um, along with Lauren as well. So I first played against Emily actually in the Catherine League um, in the off-season between NTFL last year. Um, and just, a, again, a really hard-working midfielder does really well at um, getting in under to get the ball. Um, and she was recognised for her efforts by, um, yeah, being added to that squad after playing a couple of really good games. Um, re- I think really unlucky to miss out, but with the rep team as well, sometimes it's more about filling certain positions. So um, I have no doubt that in the you know, in the years to come and the times to come, she'll be playing at that level for sure. Now, can you explain this one for me? Of course, I'm looking at the better players through the Fox Sports Pulse uh, website for, um, for of course, the Nightcliff Tigers. Um, Emma Lou yep. Wolsey, uh, six games, has kicked 12 goals, including five goals in one game. But according to this, she hasn't been named in the best ones. That's a bit stiff. Yeah, so um, Emma's actually would have played, I would say, those six games of the first six of the season. Um, for us, because last season she got runner-up best and fairest um, for our team and she had an outstanding season, just uh, one of those classics, similar to Jasmine Hewitt, where a lot of work through the ruck but can also go forward, kick goals and sort of, you know, do a lot of roving of the ball as well as we saw Jazzy do in the wet weather footy on the weekend. Um, she unfortunately sustained an injury against Buffaloes in, um, it must have been that round six game, so hasn't played since, so... Um, yeah, pretty pretty bad facial injury and still just um, recovering from that. But she's been fantastic, um, not only in what she gives on the field, but she's been at all the trainings, all the social events. She was, you know, one of the ones at the rep game on the weekend, just absolutely glowing and happy that us Tigers girls were out there representing the team. So just an absolute club woman and, um, yeah, heart and soul of the footy club. So Hopefully we um, get to play together again soon. Yeah, and fingers crossed there for that speedy recovery. Let, let's look ahead for the uh, next few weeks for the Nightcliff Tigers. And then I want to find how this is being handled. This is an interesting balance for the Tigers because you didn't. it was essentially a general competition by this weekend with the representative game on. And the Nightcliff Tigers are going to have a bye uh, the, week, uh, the weekend coming up. And this is, of course, coming off of the Christmas New Year's break where you only had two games. How you been handling the the training and the and the load management while this on again off again things happening before you hit the final three games coming into finals? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really um, interesting balance that you have to hit the same over Christmas where you almost need to freshen up mentally and physically, but still make sure that you're getting that intensity at training. So um, we've sort of been encouraged over the couple of weekends off to. Um, you know, we have weekend homework um, where us as a leadership group, it's really up to us to drive that to get some extra fitness and um, skills in as well, along with, as I said, Shannon Miller absolutely has the respect of the girls and, um, you know, everyone wants to 
get going. I think one of the really great things that we've had this year at Nightcliff is really big numbers at training and in our squad. So any girls know that if they don't sort of keep up the consistency and the work that they need to, then, um, you know, they will have to spend some time either playing Div 2 to get him back into it or having a few really hard training sessions to be rewarded to get picked for the team. So definitely that can competition. Um, we've got it all in girls training tonight with every girl from the club. So um, that's about, again, just getting a lot of skill work in. But yeah, we'll definitely ramp up um, going into this bye weekend. We'll do a session on the Saturday and then get ready for next weekend versus um, Palmerston Magpies. Yes, your run home coming into the finals include the uh, Palmerston Magpies, then you've got the uh, reigning premiers, the Southern District Crocs, and then uh, Waratah. An opportunity, depending on how games land, um, to try and jump the Southern District Crocs and lock down that fourth position on the table. Yeah, it's um, an interesting run home and comparing to Waratahs, who of course can actually um, make finals and kick us out of finals as well, which we're um, well aware, but just time to focus on ourselves. I think um, although we're sitting similar to where we were last year, we've still had some really good achievements this year. So we'd actually never beat Palmerston Magpies going into this season. And then that win for us um, was it was a really great one. So um, obviously with districts, we had a loss and a buy. Um, so hoping that we can actually, yeah, you know, take it to them and challenge to them. But they're, they're all really good sides. I think for us, we're well aware that there's no easy games going home. Um, but again, it's just about getting the right combinations um, to get our team working as well as we can together. Now, before we let you go, you've actually got some more football coming up after the conclusion of the NTFL Women's Premier League season. I believe you're heading down to Victoria. You've already had a little taste of the VFLW through the NT Thunder and I believe a practice game about a year or so ago with the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, um, so when COVID struck last year, I was, um, like many footballers, um, about to play in the VFLW season um, and obviously didn't get that opportunity but had a really great year just getting to know the girls. We're doing... Um, some Zoom cooking sessions and Pilates and things as a Bulldog squad and really excited. Um, this weekend, I'll actually go down to play a practice game um, during our bye and then, yeah, to plan to go back down to Melbourne after NTFL season's complete and hopefully earn myself a few games. Well, let's see how you go because playing football is not your only trick. Now, courtesy of uh, your representing uh, the NTFL women's. There was a few things put on the Nightcliff Tigers football website saying, <laughs> did you know about our players? Now, now of course, as uh, being Eliza Morrison, they've taken the first couple of letters of your name and nicknamed you Elmo. But I believe <laughs> that your hidden talent is making balloon animals and you used to be a magician's assistant. <laughs> yeah, I was um, fortunate or, as I thought at the time, unfortunate enough to grow up with my mum's profession is a storyteller, but actually a fairy. So she would go to children's parties, dress up as a fairy, um, her stage name being Fairy Lou. So I spent a lot of my children's holidays at um, places like the Royal Melbourne Show. And naturally, I just got thrown into jobs around. So one of them was making balloon animals, which I um, 
yeah, learnt off her. Another one was face painting. I, I do feel sorry for a few of those children whose faces I had to paint. Um, but, yeah, um, then just for a little bit of extra money, one day got thrown into being a magician's assistant as well. So just, a, yeah, a few little party tricks that um, I can offer to friends when it's their birthday, making them some balloon flowers or helping out with some friends' kids' birthdays and things like that. But, um, yeah, definitely not going to take up doing my own parties anytime soon, but a a fun addition to the resume. I was going to say, you've got to be the most popular person on Mad Monday. (laughs) Yeah, um, we'll see see how it goes this year because we, even last year with Mad Monday, we didn't get to celebrate it properly because of COVID, so... Um, we'll see what happens this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eliza, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Congratulations on a successful uh, representative match with the NTFL women's side defeating Glenelg on the weekend. And fingers crossed for a good finals campaign coming up for the Nightcliffe Tigers in just uh, over a month from now. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Peter. And I've yeah loved listening to your shows in the past. So I'll definitely stay tuned for the ones to come. Now, we've already had one game in the Round 15 split round of the NTFL Women's Premier League. It was played at Gardens Oval on January 26th. And Waratah, 15-5-95, defeated Wanderers 3-4-22. The remaining games for Round 15 are all on Saturday, 30th of January, 3pm at Kazali's Arena, Palmerston Magpies versus the Darwin Buffets. 4pm at DXC Arena, it's Pite versus Tracy Village. And 7.35pm, Underlights at TAO Stadium. It's St Mary's versus the Southern District's Crocs. And as you heard earlier, the Nightcliffe Tigers have the bye. And that will conclude the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival for yet another week. This podcast is every Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival and also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. Or you download the podcast later on. We've expanded. We're in more places now. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Acast, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Breaker, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio website and app. And, of course, at our own website, warfradio.com. Or just follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search WARF Radio. I'm Peter Holden. Until next week, it's bye for now.